Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer-director star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. We're heading toward 250 episodes of the Rewatchables. You can find all of them on the Spotify archives. Coming up on this one, we're going to win this podcast, Kyle Brandt. You know why? Superior attitude, superior state of mind. Hard to kill is next. Steven Seagal is Detective Mason Storm. They thought they silenced him. Your man's alive, Lieutenant. But Mason Storm. I think you better dial 911. It's hard to kill. Now the climate is right for revenge. That wasn't the time. Now's the time. Steven Seagal. Hard to kill. Rated R. All right, our friend Kyle Branton's here. He uh, he's been on some epic, epic rewatchables episodes, including Rocky Four. Yep. Passed up on Rocky Three. Offered mm-hmm. him an invitation. He said, "No, not really my movie." <laughs> when are you doing Hard to Kill? <laughs> Was an actual text, which reminded me that a year before he had asked me, "When are you doing Hard to Kill?" Uh, <laughs> Kyle Brandt, how did this become your movie? What, what was it? What was it? What sucked you in? So many reasons, Bill. Uh, first of all, I want to let you know that I broke routine for this episode. I did not rewatch it last night. In fact, I just sat around shirtless all night with smoking needles in my body. <laughs> I feel incredible this morning. I feel relaxed and refreshed. Um, mm. I watched it. I, I did watch it last night and it blew my mind like it always does. Fascinating to look back for people like you and me and young people watching this movie. Like in 2022, Steven Seagal is like at best a joke and at yeah. worst reprehensible but yeah. for about five years in the early 90s on screen he was fucking awesome and he looked a little different talked a little different fought a little different and it was cool to clean up the streets with a ponytail it just kicked ass and i've always loved it always loved it i saw this movie in college with my buddy jacko and i don't remember if we saw it in the theater mm-hmm. or we rented it but the blood bank scene became about a year of just weaving it in a dialogue. It was like Jacko's favorite movie moment of all time. Going backwards, though. Yep. So we have this Stallone, Schwarzenegger. The action movies just explode in the mid-'80s. And then we have this amazing stretch from 88 to 92, and I sketched it out. I did a little of it when I did the Action Hero Championship belt piece for Grantland, but you look at this run, this five-year run, and we're seeing like right now, the NBA playoffs, they talk about the old days versus the new days, all this stuff. Yep. 88 to 92, it'll never be approached. It'll never be topped. I, I look at all the movies. I just can't believe it. It's staggering. We have, just for those five years, Die Hard and Die Hard 2, done both here. Terminator 2 and Total Recall, we've done both mm-hmm. on this. 
<laughs> Lethal Weapon 2. We have three Von Damme movies. Well, we have more than three, but Bloodsport, Kickboxer, Double Impact. So Von mm-hmm. Damme is, is really taken off. Sure. We have Roadhouse and we have Point Break. We have Tango and Cash and we have Lockup. We have Action Jackson. We have Passenger 57. And we have five Seagal movies culminating <laughs> in Under Siege, which is still really good. Yes. Uh, but as you said, Seagal, it was, they just kind of figured out this was not only the apex action movies, but also like, we just need to get one star. Don't even, mm-hmm. it was the ultimate eh, money ball approach, like one star and we'll just cheap out on basically every other role in the movie. This one is just perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It has the dumbest premise you could possibly have for a movie. We know where it's going the whole time. Everything ends happily ever after. But the seven-year coma is really what made this so rewatchable. Him in the bed, the hair, the mustache. What what else? Why why, why is this work so well? And why didn't anyone realize how funny this was when they were making it? I I ask that all the time. Is it, you know, like I remember, Bill, you've talked about before. Top Gun is so big now. In the Top Gun scene where they're shirtless and the towels, like weren't all the actors constantly laughing as they're snapping their teeth at each other? No, they were dead serious. I know, but. I'm watching this and maybe that's the answer that they were dead serious too on the set. How was no one laughing when he's lying there in that like wig and in that goatee and like acting his ass off as he comes out of comas? Like he's he is going for it. He's going for like the Daniel Day-Lewis uh, Academy Award. Like he wants it so bad. I'm laughing my ass off. Like when we did Cobra, I remember on this show you were like, I used to think it was an action movie, but it's a comedy. I, and I watched it hard to kill last night. It's really funny, but I don't think Seagal laughed at anything. I really think it's dead serious. It is now a comedy. Roadhouse yeah. is a combination comedy action movie. This Hard to Kill is now, it's a comedy. He, How many arms and legs does he break in this movie? It's over five, right? He breaks the record. Well, it's, it's so glad you brought that up. So at the time, you had your, you had your Van Damme, who was getting big, Jean-Claude was big, and Seagal was big. And when you watch one of their movies, they each had their signature thing. Like, it was like, when is the Rick Springfield going to play Jesse's girl in the set? And Jean-Claude's yeah. going to do the splits. Like, you just know it's coming. He's going to work the splits in. And you go, fuck yeah. Seagal's going to break somebody's arm. And sometimes he does it over the shoulder. Sometimes he does it around the elbow. Or sometimes he breaks a leg. And I think it's at least two or three broken arms in this one. But that's what you paid for. Like, you and your friends would high five when he broke an arm. That was his signature move. The New York Times, at some point, I think it was 1992, they wrote that he that Seagal was, quote, the latest and suavest inheritor of the Charles Bronson, Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee action film mantle. <laughs> so, you know, Sly and Arnold are making these big budget, kind of yeah. awesome movies. There's real money. There's real money for the actors. There's stunts, all that stuff. But the legacy of just, here's one guy for the poster and he's just going to kick people's asses. This goes back to Clint Eastwood. Sure. Bronson. Um, he, Chuck Norris, obviously. Yeah. I mean, his movies, Chuck Norris just couldn't act at all. We, I don't even know if we've done a Chuck Norris movie yet. Um, but I was like those two. Seagal, I think was like a, like, I hate to say this, but like a half decent actor. Like he yeah. had, he did have a charisma to him. He talked really low. He almost underacted, I would say. Sure. But he did have a commanding presence. You meant, you did on Instagram, you, you tweeted out or you, Instagrammed out the above the law, no ponytail and above the law. That no. was his first movie, 1988. <laughs> this one, the ponytail, this was his uh, first ponytail movie. Then the ponytail persisted. 
all the way through the 2010s as there's like shoe polish going on. And <laughs> like he couldn't keep the hairline. Spray paint. <laughs> yeah, spray paint. But he's like, I'm never losing the ponytail. But the hairline didn't obey. But he's actually like handsome, physical, yep. tall guy. We'll get to his running later. I don't want to spoil that now. But um, I think if you're going Van, Van, Dom, Van Dom, Van Dam, uh, Chuck Norris, all these dudes, he probably had most going for him other than Swayze, who is almost overqualified for the genre, right? Yeah. And I, what I respect about Seagal back then, dude, he, he zagged hard. Like, you understand, it was all about who's the most muscular dude, who's got the six-pack, Van Damme's ass always came out, Schwarzenegger's massive, Stallone is ripped. Seagal's body is, is like a gym teacher at best. He has no muscle. He's got a fucking ponytail. Like, he totally went different. He's not doing as many of the Arnold's, like, uh, one-liners, and here's Sub-Zero, now playing Zero. He had an original presence, which, while it's yeah. all gone to shit, like, He's charismatic on screen and as stupid as the ponytail looks like I'm telling you, I, I'm assuring the listener in 91 is like, ah, ponytail's badass. I like it. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. His body was a little like Machio and Karate Kid 3. <laughs> yeah. There was a little extra girth like from the uh -huh. nipples down to the waist, but it wasn't fat. It was just kind of a weird body. The running, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, he almost seemed choreographed like for somebody who and we'll get to he you know he's a martial arts guy that's how he got found he's weirdly martial his martial arts aren't like nearly as good as van damme yes right if you if you, i feel like van damme versus Segov and jbd just crushes him well i think you're tapping into something massive that for years the internet has debated and fought about exactly what are Segov's qualifications like is he a legit is he fugazi and like there was a time not that long ago when he was really involved in the UFC and he literally like he walked in Anderson uh, Silva to the ring like Seagal yeah. is in his corner, which felt like, you know, like like Woody Harrelson as Billy Hoyle walking LeBron into the ring. Like, what, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I'm not I don't mean to name drop here, Bill, but I got to talk to Dana White once when yeah. it was happening. And I was like, Dana. What's the deal? Anderson Silva is your best fighter. Why is Seagal walking him into the does Seagal know what the hell he's doing? And Dana White's like, well, you know, I, I love his movies. And I was like, yeah, we all love his fucking movies, but I don't know if he's teaching Anderson Silva anything. Like, he doesn't yeah. really punch or kick much like Van Damme does. It looks totally different. So he makes... <laughs> this, what do you got? The, the first four movies he makes, the titles just kill me. Let's go. I can't keep the titles straight, and I've seen They're all hard. of them probably a combined 100 <laughs> times. When I started the file for this movie, yeah. I, I wrote Above the Law. And I was looking for Hard to Kill in my Google Docs. And I'm like, oh, wait, I typed in the wrong title. Right. He does Above the Law, Hard to Kill, and Marked for Death in the same year. And then he follows that up with Out for Justice. Justice There's yes. four in a row. Mm -hmm. There were four separate movies. All of them, he's a cop. All of them, it's three It's three names. And nobody can tell. Like, he basically <laughs> just could have done Above the Law, Part 4. <laughs> <laughs> what hard to kill out of those four hard to kill mark for death above the law and out for justice what's your favorite for a title right, so because hard to kill question. is pretty good um hard to kill is, is is awesome i just said like what you're tapping into before i answer the question is the key to the steven seagal thing is something that i have under what's aged the best i love movie titles where it's steven seagal is and then it's like <laughs> marked for death even it'll be like Denzel Washington is out of time. You know, like it's right. so fun to do that. And they'll even do it with characters like 
So what, like, would your, what would yours be like? Jason Bourne. Um, what, Kyle, Brand, Kyle Brand is getting up early. <laughs> Kyle Brand <laughs> is waking up at 4 a.m. to talk about how confident he is in Tua Tonga Vailoa and the Mike McDaniel <laughs> offense. It's awesome. Long title. We're, we're workshopping it. <laughs> um, so no, listen, I, I have to say, <laughs> Mark for Death is fucking crazy because this is a That's sidebar, but I know you're going to love this. There was like a one-year period where Hollywood decided our villains are going to be Jamaican voodoo posse gangs. And we're going to do it in Predator 2. And we're going to do it in Marked for Death. And we're just going to go with Jamaicans. Their accents are cool. Their hair is cool. And we can go with it. So Marked for Death, there's a villain named Screwface who gets his head cut off. But my answer is I honestly do think that they got it best with Out for Justice that had Forsythe as the, as the, 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 the villain. Tony Soprano's dad is William Forsythe's dad. There's Gina Gershon in it. I think Out for Justice is the best, but I think our movie today, uh, Hard to Kill, is the funniest. And the most rewatchable. Although yes. I do I do like Above the Law. I think they probably, I don't know, they because that was early Seagal. He, he doesn't have any of his unintentional comedy stuff really down yet. This is the best. Well, on the film side of that, like, it's it's he's raw then. The, the, Andrew Davis directed that movie, who went on yeah. to direct The Fugitive. And yeah. direct under siege like that is a real movie that they made but it was like we got a taste of seagal now let's take him and put him in a coma and give him like uh, kelly lebrock to play with and we'll have a masterpiece yeah when i watch this i almost texted you we should probably do above the law and do a combo yeah i hear because you. above the law kind of walks so hard to kill could run but then i watched <laughs> hard to kill and i was like this is amazing we got to do this one we can, we can always go back and do above the law and redo it so the seagal story is pretty famous from back then the Newer people probably don't know the younger people, but Michael Ovitz, who's the biggest agent in the world, he's for CA. He's the all-time super agent. Nobody's more powerful than him. And he's got this martial arts instructor, Steven Seagal, (laughs) and becomes convinced that this guy could be a movie star. Now, this ties into Seagal's maybe talent or lack of talent in martial arts is that he's basically just this, this cool martial arts guy who looks good when he's like doing the deep breathing and stuff and is, can impress like a super rich agent. It doesn't mean he's great at martial arts, but he's yeah. got a charisma to him. And Ovitz is just like, there's, there's something here. I think this mm-hmm. guy's thing. And, and he has, again, the most power in Hollywood at that point. So name in the studio, by the way, that uh, Seagal taught at Aikido Tension Dojo. <laughs> so Ovitz is going down there just kind of learning some stuff. So then all of a sudden he talks in the head of Warner Brothers, this guy, Terry Semmel. Um, he has Rogers and Cohen, which is the biggest PR firm. Sure. And they're just ready to go. And there's this 1988 LA Times piece about him. And the quotes are hilarious. Like one of the guy, the guy who did uh, Imagine Films, who I think did the first one. Sure. As soon as, this is from the LA Times piece, quote, as soon as I saw Steven, I knew that given the right vehicle, he could become a major star. The closest person I've ever seen that carries himself with the same kind of stature is Mikhail Barishnikov. <laughs> when he walks into the room, you can see every head, male and female, turn around as if they're all wondering who this guy is. It's mm-hmm. sheer magnetism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Terry Semmel, who's the running Warner, Warner Brothers, another huge guy. And he's basically like, he's gone far beyond being an action star. When you look at the action stars, it's a very short list. Stallone, Norris, Schwarzenegger, maybe a couple others. The key question always is, who's that rare young guy coming up who can handle those physical roles? We think Steven could be it. Steven seems to exude this enormous sense of focus and intensity, a serious look that when you look at him, you see danger. 
Jesus. It's almost like listening to them talk about, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence going and mm-hmm. coming out of the draft. Like we think Trevor Lawrence can be as big as Mahomes. The, the you know, phrase, it's like a draft the, the generational prospect. Right. Generational prospect was the goal. That was it. <laughs> yeah, he can make all the throws and he's got yeah, the foot and it'd be speed. Like, we have to tank this movie season. We have to suck for Seagal <laughs> so we can get him number one overall, like Andrew Luck. Wow, right. that's awesome. Well, and he basically moved, it, much like a high NFL pick, he goes to a bunch of bad teams. He does this four movie deal with Warner Brothers. Right. All the movies have three word names. There's no really other good actors in it except for, <laughs> as you said, the William Forsythe movie. Yeah. And he's on this rookie deal. They're making money hands over fist on him and then it all leads to under siege is where he cashes in leading to his passion project one of the worst movies of all time ever made on deadly ground Ground. (laughs) where (laughs) the Seagal's six-year passion project what was that movie about um something about indian reservations and he kicks ass and then he talks about how we should save the trees something like that yeah it's like it's very early uh yeah, like climate type of, I don't know, maybe yeah, Seagal's ahead of the game. I don't know. So there, there's there's a legendary Hollywood myth or legend fable about Seagal that one day um, he called the producer to his house and the producer goes up to the house and, you know, he's got all the koi ponds and all that. And he knocks on the door and Seagal opens the door and he's wearing a kimono, of course, and he's just sobbing and he's just sobbing. And the producer says, Stephen, oh, my God, what's wrong? He's like, I, I just read the the most beautiful script ever written. He goes, oh, oh my God, really? really? Who wrote it? And he goes, I did. This is the script he was working on about environmentally conscious skull cracking tough guys. And that story I will always believe to be true. I've heard it a million times. I think it's true. Well, that's another piece of the Seagal legend. <laughs> really, by all accounts, the biggest asshole who yes. ever became a famous movie star from mm-hmm. probably the last 35 years. We talked about <laughs> The wheels can come off with some of these guys. Like we yep. talked about Cobra and Stallone yep. and how Stallone basically became unhinged and, you know, just it happens. Seagal, I think, was always an asshole. And mm-hmm. as he became a little more famous, just the stories are legendary. His conduct on the movies was horrible. Like there's all kinds of sexual harassment stuff you can Google pretty easily. He's the most famous disliked Saturn Night Live host they've ever had. He's mm-hmm. always the go-to example of mm-hmm. who was the worst person who's ever hosted the show. It's always Steven Seagal. You can find stuff that somebody just on Twitter had like a minute of highlights of Seagal's SNL thing. It really is like one of the funniest guest hosting things. He's terrible. They all hate him. They're standing as far away as possible from him at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> but he's just a legendary asshole. And it was one of the reasons I think once one of his movies didn't make any money. That was it. Everybody's like, we're done with this guy. Out. They couldn't wait for him to mess up. And if you're listening to this and you're a Seagal fan, you got to do a deep dive on the SNL. He's promoting Out for Justice. Yeah. The musical guest is Michael Bolton. And check this out. <laughs> Craig, you could even grab this. Seagal, when he introduced him, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bolton. Like, it's all wrong. He can't even say the guy's name. Michael Bolton. He's in a sketch with Farley, like prime Farley. Yeah. Farley's like smoking and all disheveled and just hilarious. And even that sketch just dies because Seagal is just just dead on arrival. It's terrible. He's not even reading the cue cards. He, it doesn't (laughs) seem like he can totally see the cue cards. So he's like trying to focus on the cue cards. It's, it's a catastrophe. So everybody hated him. We'll go into some of this stuff when we do half-assed internet research. The funny 
the funniest thing of all of this is he f- eventually fires Mike Ovitz. Okay. The guy who gives him the <laughs> right. break. And he told Ovitz, this is according to Ovitz's book, I think I'm as good an actor as Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, all yep. those guys. It's an exact quote. Ovitz wrote in his book, Seagal had fallen prey to the entirely human delusion that if you succeed in one arena, you can do anything. Mm. And that's this recurring theme of Seagal where he has this quote that you can find it. It's on a like movie line or whatever, but somebody ran the excerpts where he's like furious. He's not getting better scripts. Yeah. yeah. And he has this legendary quote where it's like, I, I saw my left foot. Like, why couldn't I have gotten that script? Like you said, like Daniel Day Lewis, that's how, insane Steven Seagal was. So, wow. It's all Seagal should have been in my kill. left foot and he would have literally broken his left foot <laughs> over his shoulder. That would have been his thing. <laughs> By the way, Seagal in my left foot, just as a separate movie from yeah. my left foot, maybe yeah. my right foot, I think could have been amazing. Just his version. Unbelievable. I would see my, my right foot straight to video sequel with Steven Seagal. That's good. <laughs> 11.5 million. Yeah. Budget. It made $59 million. Big hit. It was the 22nd biggest movie in 1990. The 23rd biggest movie of 1990 was also Seagal. Mm. That was out for justice. So, mm-hmm. um, so he was he was cranking. Unfortunately, he wasn't cranking for Roger Ebert, who uh, declined give to it, review this it movie. He didn't, no, he he didn't, didn't watch it. it. He was out. <laughs> of course, beneath him. He did like Above the Law, though. I think he had like two and a half stars for Above the Law, and he was like, Seagal's interesting, all this stuff. But when when Arthur Kill came out, Roger would circle back for the follow up. Roger's out. Pauline Kale was busy that day. There's not a lot of hard to kill reviews, but it lives on in our heart. And yeah, I I can't tell you before we get to the we'll take a break and we'll do the categories. Yeah. But I'm gonna take you to the bank, the blood bank. I can't tell you how much mileage. Same. I mean, my friends got out of that. I, I think it's in the running for greatest moment in the history of any of these action movies. They cl- they zoom in on him. There's three seconds before he says anything. It's almost mm-hmm. like an editing error. Yep. And then he delivers it in the most monotone way possible. It's like, I, it's honestly life altering. He delivers it and then the dum dum da da dum like they with the kettle drums it's like right. jesus is that the best thing i've ever seen is that better than the taking of the beach scene and saving private ryan i think it might have been that was that good i'm gonna take you to the bank senator trent to the blood bank it's so good i i just can't get over it uh all right we're gonna take a break and then it's category time this episode is supported by state farm Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car, get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, most rewatchable scenes. I have seven, you might have more. (laughs) I really like the opening credits as Seagal, or should I say Mason Storm? (laughs) As Mason Storm, (laughs) great name. Infiltrates a secret doc meeting. I love that there's a secret doc meeting to start this movie. Like, when did people have... 
When do they stop having secret doc? I felt like after Naked Gun, the first one, <laughs> secret doc meetings were done. People were like, they're all on us. Even like Naked Gun made fun of this. We can't do it anymore. Yeah, but I think no. they snuck one in. They snuck one in in The Usual Suspects and it went mm. to terrible. That was 95. And they're like, we can't. But you're right. Nordberg uh, stepping in a bear trap and falling out of a boat. The doc thing was going downhill from there. <laughs> that was 1986. This is four years later. He's He's filming it. But I I don't know what he's doing and like his headphones don't work and he's not the cameras. And by the time we have the big reveal of uh, Senator Trent, they cut to Seagal. His camera's just facing the sidewalk. But then at the end, it perfectly works out. He has it all captured on the video. It's like it's beyond a nitpick. But has he ever um, used a camera before? Like I, I, it looks like he's never seen one. And I imagine the camera guys on set being like, the fuck is this guy doing? He's not even pointing it where he's supposed to be. And yet the, the movie comes out beautifully that he gets. Fully incriminates Trent. It's the equivalent of when you're at some location, like with your wife and you're like, let's get a picture. And you ask somebody and it's always like the dumbest person who ever lived who's never used an iPhone. And they're like, oh, hold on. No, no, press that button. Oh, right. oh hold on. I locked your phone. Can you have Sorry, it's on video. It. I did a video. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. oh, no. Is it pan out? It, and it's seven minutes. Like he, he honestly can't figure it out. This was 1990. It's not like, it's not like video cameras hadn't been around for a decade. He's holding it like Lloyd Dobler holds the jukebox <laughs> over his head. What, what is he doing with that camera? It's, it's like sideways. He, he just, right. it's like, just hold the camera straight and press record. What are you doing? Um, next scene, the liquor store robbery. It's great. I, I actually I watched it and I just reround and watched it again. It is one of the most ridiculous action movie scenes of this go. entire era. He goes in, <laughs> he makes small talk with the guy behind the counter. For some reason, they're talking about the Oscars. I have no idea what that Constantly. has to do with anything. Five guys come in. We only have a couple Latino characters in this movie, and each each time they're just criminals. We don't have they they don't even. <laughs> this is like height of like super racist action movies. Five guys come in, they have guns. They're not afraid of Seagal, who's not afraid of them. They're not, they never realize he's a threat. They just fucking blow the guy away after mm -hmm. he had this nice repartee with Seagal. <laughs> and then Seagal, of course, wastes all of them. Yeah. And then it's like, ah, oh, I'm going to head back home with, with my champagne for my wife. It's like, you didn't mm -hmm. have to stick around the crime scene for a couple hours. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's back. Hold on, guys, I got to go. Can I fill out the report tomorrow for the six dead people? Yeah, it says here, Storm, that you broke his ankle like you were taking a jar of pickles lid off like, and you just left. Also, Bill, in that scene, there's like just the chef's kiss of it all is in the yeah. wide shot. You can see like uh, pads on the floor for them to fall on. Like it's just all awful. Oh, like, I, I didn't even notice could, that. Rewatch it again. There's pads all over the floor. I love the witty, the witty repartee with him and the cashier just kills so do me. I. What's the matter? Don't care about the Oscars. Seagal's got that dumb smirk on his face. Like, eh, I get to use some of my chops here. My comedy chops. You got any champagne? Oh, sure. It's right over there next to the caviar. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, great, great. You'll find some in the big cooler back there. So, uh, how come you're not watching the Oscars tonight? The Oscars? Yeah, the Oscars. I hate the Oscars. You're not having a good time, huh? I think that liquor store, listen, I, there's not a lot of candidates. I, I have that liquor store in for Dion Waiters. Like he, go, he goes and he goes, oh, yeah. hey, maybe I'll be in a porno. And you're like, oh, gross. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then it's like, they just kill him. Yeah. Execute him. 
it's an execution and it's and everything's fine. And then Seagal gets off an Oscars joke at the end of the scene. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm gonna be late for the Oscars. <laughs> Blood everywhere. The guy the guy's chest is like 50 feet away from his body. Um oh that was the last line where he says Looks like you won the Oscar tonight, Storm. Incredible. That's one right? of the other cops. There's six dead bodies. Everybody's um, talking Oscars. It was huge, I yeah, guess. It's big. I have no idea why they did that. Come on. You're fucking dead, man. Oh, it's still not fair. That's right. Okay, how about this? I'll get down on my knees. Is this any better? Hmm? Come and get some. Come and get some. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you won the Oscar tonight, Storm. The next one, um, this is probably the winner for me. Well, it's it's a, it's one of these two, but Seagal comes out of a coma. We get to see his eyes roll back in his head. I actually yep. was pretty impressed by some of his coming out of a coma acting. Sure. And then, um, how would you describe the uh, the hitman? <laughs> what what his look was? He's got the early Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. You go. It's like a, you go bolo tie chic. It's like we need to take Sully from Commando and make him even greasier and a bigger douche. And that's where they found him. A lot of bolo ties on that guy. Yeah. So that guy comes in. That another 80s, early 90s trope where anyone could just walk into a hospital and pretend they're a doctor. You don't need IDs. Nobody's suspicious. Just have a stethoscope around your neck. Yeah. They always act like these hospitals, they never know who the doctors are. Meanwhile, they all work together every day. And um, Seagal, who's, I think, been awake for, what, 25 minutes at this point? Less After a seven-year coma? Yeah. Um, somehow is able to wheel the stretcher around, mm-hmm. pull off a whole elevator thing with rooms, go to different floors, and then Kelly LeBrock magically shows up, who seems nonplussed about the two dead guys in the, in the hallway that she worked with. Over it. Well, she, she's got her mind on other things. We got to get into this at some right. point, Bill. The strangest thing in this most recent rewatch was the Kelly LeBrock character and her sexual attraction to Mason Store. I, I can't. I, I was staggered by it. How crazy it was. So you see that differently as an adult. So Jesus. I mean, did you? Did, did that hit you the same way it hit me? I had it in what's age the best? That <laughs> the best? Seagal. Well, no. Th- this is what's age the best for me. That Seagal has such an ego at this point. He's only made one yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That they're like, what if we have a scene when he's still in the coma? And she lifts up the blanket and basically raves about how huge Mason Storm's cock is. And uh-huh. he's like, put that in. Great idea. Because <laughs> they just throw it in there. What is he, like John Holmes? Dirk yeah. Diggler? What's going on? She lifts up the sheet. It's like he's got an anaconda underneath there. Yeah, and he's he's been lying there for seven years. And I think you were dead on that Seagal's like, hey, maybe we do one more take. I got a little idea. And she have her pull up the blanket and look at Storm's <laughs> penis. And remarking how huge, I mean, it's it's so disgusting. And that's also, remember, like, when she shows up, she first says, like, I'm just going to say it, it's really creepy. She's like, hey, would you like a little pussy? Oh, it's a pussy cat. And, and, like, it's so wildly inappropriate. Like, yeah. the lifting up the blanket thing isn't just gross. I think it's actually criminal. And also, <laughs> this was a man who was, like, sh- he was shotgunned into a coma and his family yeah. was killed. Like, what is she doing? They could have gone seven more dick jokes. It's just so funny that they put that in there, though. It speaks to Seagal, what a lunatic he was. She throws him in a convertible and takes him right to Ojai. Yeah. Um, you're not an L.A. guy. No, but I lived there for years. I know Ojai. It's up the 101. Oh, yeah. You're right. You did live here. Yeah. It's it's not just up the 101. It's a good Far. hour away from L.A. Yeah. Sure. it's 
and they try to make it seem like it's a drive up the water. And it's like, no, not really. <laughs> it's it's actually not up the water at all. Um, but she happens to be house sitting in Ojai, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we'll get to later. But yeah, so that whole scene. Then we have the Seagal recovery. Let's go. I don't know what else you have in here, but I have, uh, he shaves, he trains. It looks like he does some Tai Chi. He really stares at those news clippings for motivation. Little little Rocky three, Sure. In there. Uh, mm-hmm. Does some jogging. <laughs> and we'll get to Seagal's running in a little bit. He punches a rope stick, just stolen straight yep. from JCVD. Yep. Does some acupuncture. I have some questions about how some of the needles got there. What else did he do? But he regained his strength in about two minutes. It's just like he... <laughs> It's everything about it. it this, I, Bill, I can tell you right now, this is going to be my scene. Like, I, I about, yeah. about once a year, I'll just pull this up just for fun to put myself in a good mood. It is the the prison mic bandana. It's the string tank top with no muscles. It's the Billy Blanks like Tybo cat punching that he does, uh, and it's the running. And it's, remember, this is this is <laughs> this is prefaced by him telling her the second they get back to the house, he goes. Uh, can you go to the, the the Chinese grocery store? I need some some herbs, some special herbs. And so that's what he gets burning in him. And yeah. he sits uh, cross-legged and, and just turns into ass-kicking mode. Which he writes in Chinese letters for. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they'll know. He comes out of the coma. Yeah, he can write in Chinese. He comes out of the coma. The best part about this is we have Rocky Three and Rocky Four before this movie. Rocky Four is basically, I don't know, 30% of that movie is just a training Montage. sequence and yeah. it's Stallone just lifting, you know, four people up in a wheelbarrow. It's him doing upside down sit-ups and you're like, we talked about it when you and I did the Rocky Four rewatchables. Like, yeah. you're kind of in awe of Stallone's training. Looks amazing. And Seagal's like, here's what I'm going to do. Acupuncture. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have a board. I'm going to cover it with rope and I'm going to just lightly punch it. And then I'm going to have really weird jogging scenes and I'm going to do some breathing and that'll be, and they're like, what, you sure you don't want to watch the Rocky four training scene? Like maybe, no, no, no. This is how, this is how we're going to do it. I don't even know how he got back in shape. Oh yeah. He's back. He's ready. There, there's an, uh, the similarity is the climax is there's a mountain climb at the end <laughs> yeah. where instead of Drago, he's sitting there looking over the valley and you're like, are they going to drop a fucking Eagle sound effect? And sure enough, like it's a perfect thing as you sitting there reflecting on how hard he is to kill. I thought he was going to be on the mountain, probably having like a Syrah. Yeah, like, exactly. like just a glass of wine. Try to think a about Syrah what is... or knowing Seagal playing guitar, playing some <laughs> stupid ass song on his guitar. It is a ridiculous. I like that it ends and she goes to see O'Malley to see if she can find him and then comes back to more training. Yeah. There's some more stuff. Um, this is a short scene, but it's the, uh, it's the, take that to the bank, the blood bank. Yeah. Right before the shootout. They set it up. He hears it. It. it I don't know. The Senator Trent, he only has one catchphrase. He says it over and over and over Non-stop. and over again in every press conference in his personal life. Yeah. For some reason, it doesn't click with Seagal for uh, <laughs> maybe the coma. I don't know. I don't, you know, I've never been in a coma like that. I don't know how long you know, what the after effects are, but then it finally triggers some PTSD. And that's when we get, I'm going to take you to the bank. <laughs> so we get the big shootout right after that. So that's a yeah. nice, fun sequence too. Oh, yeah. we, get, uh, we get that whole poor Ohio house getting uh, uh-huh. shot up by multiple people. Then I have um, 
I guess we can combine these. Seagal, the re- reuniting with his son, but his buddy O'Malley gets gunned down. I, w- I would have gone slow motion for the gun down. Yeah. When he's like, I love you, Sonny. For some reason, <laughs> kid, he's adopted. Son of a bitch don't deserve to wear a badge. <laughs> and he goes to the tire iron. And you can li- do you can see the squibs. You can see wires coming out of yeah. his shirt. And you, just, you just go through it. Who cares? It's bad. <laughs> and then that leads to the pool stick brawl. Yep. Including um, Seagal killing the number one henchman and saying, that's for my wife. Fuck you and Fuck die. You die. Yeah. I wonder if they were like, hey, Steven, you want to try any uh, catchphrases? You know, it's work, really work for Stallone and Sly. Scott's like, no, nah, I'm going to stick with fuck you and die. That's mine. You know, Sly, uh, Steven, Arnold's gone really big with this I'll be back thing. What, what What do you want yours to be? It's so funny, Bill. I have this as one of my favorite lines. My friends and I have said this to each other for years. Like if you're on 18 and you have a three foot putt to tap in to win 100 bucks and they're talking shit to you and you sink it. And you go, that's for my wife. Fuck you and die. We've said that for years. <laughs> it's so eloquent. It's, yeah. it's so creative. <laughs> it's great. It's his best acting in the movie. It's for my wife. Fuck you and die. What's age the best? So Mason's dead wife, she's kind of a smoke show. Yeah, she's beautiful. I, they really, um, I I don't know if he was sending a message to Kelly LeBrock or what's going on. He used to say Kelly LeBrock and Skull did not last. Okay, but, yeah, um, she's his current, his wife at the time. And yeah. what message are you referring to, Bill? Well, that that he's going <laughs> to go at it on the set with the other actress. Uh, <laughs> there were no intimacy coordinators back in the uh, 1990 range. Seagal is really going to town. He, there's yeah. ass grabbing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of boob grabbing. And yes. I, it's kind of becomes a porn for like 20 seconds. And then all of a sudden she gets shot to death. It's very weird. Yeah. it's uh, it, Listen, you're dead on. I thought it was. And also like through the the lens of like the what you hear about Seagal's reputation, you're like, Jesus, this love scene is really going for it. Like it's yeah. in those movies, it's the usual beats, the kissing, the shadowing, all that stuff. Like her, there's fully breasts in his face and like ass grabbing. And I'm like, was LeBrock on the set that day? Was that hot for him to show that to her? Like it gets really creepy fast. Like in Cobra, right? Like Cobra, yeah. it's Stallone was with Brigitte Nielsen. He wasn't also doing these other things like with uh, Adrian. <laughs> like that would right. be weird. It's, it's, it's a lot. With that said, great job by the wife and then not not really seen again. This is kind of the pig for her. I forget her name. No, she just gets shotgunned in the chest and that's it. Another what's age the best. So Kelly LeBrock, who I think has special stature for kids from the 80s because sure. of weird science. Yeah. Woman in Red with Gene Wilder. Um, and then kind of married Steven Seagal and, and basically retired from acting and then did this one. But uh, the weird science piece of it is just an iconic. This is, you know, especially when you're a teenager, you feel like there's a world where you might be able to pull off like the hottest possible adult female, even though you don't realize there's a zero percent chance. You don't know that when you're 14, 15. Sure. So weird science happens. They create her out of a computer and it becomes like they're basically their, I guess, sex made. Yeah. And this is just the greatest idea ever for a movie for anyone who's like between the age of 13 and 16. So she has real cachet. And then she's just slumming in this movie. This is a terrible movie. And, and you know, she's basically doing it because she's married to Seagal. Yeah, it's really rough. I, I, I read that she later in life has referred to Hard to Kill as Hard to Watch, which yeah. like, I, I totally get. I don't think she really wants to be there. It, it's it's really brutal. It's she She's not good in the movie. She's... That their love scene that they have eventually is one of the worst ones ever put on tape, which is yeah. really strange. It looks like two eighth graders making out. They don't know what to do with their hands. It's just awful. So LeBrock is this was 
this was not exactly Lisa. Uh, doesn't have his license, Lisa. This this was tough. And yet, it aged the best. Her what she meant the eighties. I, I think has aged really nicely. Yeah, you're right though. That's a key point. Seagal's love scene with his first wife who got shot to death should not have been like twenty times more passionate than the Kelly LeBrock thing. <laughs> That's just weird. Another one says the best for me. I always forget when I watch this. They try to shoot and kill his son. And he, okay, yeah. he figures it out. He solves it. He jumps out the window. And you have kids. Like, little boys are morons until they're like seven. I'm always in awe in movies where they pretend that any little boy under seven is like, yeah. I figured out the landscape here. <laughs> I'm going to instantly solve this dilemma and run out the window and escape from my life. I, I'm just telling you, right? My son, who I think is really savvy now at age six, I'm, I, I don't think he would have had the wherewithal. <laughs> I just don't. No, I mean, you're still wiping their butts practically at that point. And yet in the movie, there's always some bad guy who's like, he's got to go. The kid's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> he saw <Do> too much. <laughs> the uh, more what's age the best. Producer Craig texted this to us. The uh, Como Segal having like, I think one of his first dinners and Kelly LeBrock decides maybe chopsticks will be Hilarious. great for this. He can barely like stand or sit at this point. Just like, hey, you want to want to try to eat this rice with the chopsticks? I can't have, I, I can't do chopsticks after three asahis. Like he's been in a coma for seven right. years, and yet they're in this like conveniently decorated East Asian house. That's there are no forks in the house. Sorry, that's, right? That's just where you landed. Yeah, I had that for what's age? What's age, either what's age worse or nitpicking was the way that Ojai house was decorated. Unbelievable! All those Ojai houses are just like we're out in wine country, and here's some, <laughs> you know, here's some. Here's some photos of grapes and, you know, a wine bottle. And that one is like they were in like Thailand. Yeah. They had a full martial arts dojo inside it with yeah. weapons. I mean, that's a yeah. great stroke of luck. Who are they renting the house from? <laughs> Two more what's age the best for me. Yeah. Bill Sadler plays Senator Trent, who best. eventually turns up in, uh, in Shawshank as one of the gang. Sure. He's the one who listens to the Hank Williams. I always think of him as the Shawshank guy. He might be that guy from Shawshank, but I think he's Bill Sadler, but I might have seen Shawshank too many times. How do you see him? Well, listen, this is really close to uh, another movie that's been done on the show when he's Colonel Stewart in Die Hard 2. So oh, that's yeah. kind of brushing up against that by maybe a year or so. Mm. And to that end, I was I was disappointed there was no Senator Trent naked Tai Chi scene. Um, but I, it's, it's always happy to see Sadler. Sadler's one of the guys. Like Shawshank, he's a made guy. Well, maybe he was inspired by the hard to kill Tai Chi, acupuncture, whatever was going on. It's like, I'm taking <laughs> this to the next level. I'm going to go naked and lethal weapon too. All right. Last one stage the best for me. Seagal yeah. running. I, okay, listen, let's go. Seagal running. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad person. I might be. <laughs> but the things that delight me and make me truly laugh mm -hmm. are things like Seagal running. And I think Seagal, if there was some sort of scale, I think this would be a 10.0 for me. Watching him, he runs, I, I was talking to my wife because I was talking about this movie yesterday. I was like, he runs like when you have a little boy that comes out of the hot tub and takes his bathing suit off and you're trying to get the towel on him, but he's kind of running around with his arms down, just like a spaz. Stand you still. can't catch him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's just kind of, his arms are going down and to the side and, and mm -hmm. it's here. that's what he reminds me of. Like a, a two and a half year old kid who's running away from being toweled off. And that's how he runs multiple times in this movie and in other movies, too. It's his trademark in a way. And it's, it reminds me of something you've always talked about, Bill, with like the sports credibility uh, inspector. You know, like 
someone on set had to be like, hold the phone for a second. Everybody take five. Steven, come on over here with me. Let's let's work on this a little bit. Yeah. This is what you're going to do with your hands and your elbows because someone in the in the, the tent watching the video has got to be like, Mason Storm looks like a jerk off running like that. We got to <laughs> right. fix this run. We got to get a coach. And at the time, like, have him sit down and watch tape of Cruz, who I think yeah. was doing like Days of Thunder at the time, or maybe the firm. This is how you run, Steve. You got it. Yeah. Like, we, Steve, we can't elbows put you on down. Like this. <laughs> elbows down. Make a fist. Elbows, <laughs> elbows churning with your fists. And, yeah. and, and do it that way, buddy. Your arms are going pointed downwards. What are you doing? And you know what's so funny is, all right, so Bill. I always look at this too as like no one wanted to say anything to Seagal. Like just I'm not going to tell him he runs crazy. We can't. And then what's amazing <laughs> is that later in the movie, he's sitting down with O'Malley and they're talking about Sonny. And, and O'Malley goes, hey, he's got his old man's speed. He runs the 111 <laughs> flat. So like, did they put that line in? Be like, no, he knows how he's running. Is that a coincidence that they're talking about how fast Seagal is? This, the running is... Uh... I just can't. It makes me laugh. I don't. There's. You can go on YouTube. I didn't even realize this. I went on YouTube and there's just multiple okay. Seagal running compilations, all titled in increasingly derisive ways. <laughs> but I went on because I was like, I got it. I wonder if anybody put this on YouTube. I was going to send it to my wife. And it's like, no, they put it on YouTube. It's like a whole cottage industry of people cutting Seagal running clips. You sent me one where it said, Run like she like the wind, running on empty. Right? And it's got the music and everything. All right, so here's the, the the true shame about Seagal and his running and his athleticism is two yeah. movies later in Out for Justice, there is a scene where we almost get a real treat where he takes his kid, this Sonny in this movie, and he's like, all right, let's go. We got your ball and your bat and your glove. And he was going to go have a catch with his kid. And I yeah. would love to see him just throwing the ball around like because uh. I think it would be it'd be like worse than Tom Cruise in this sense. But we just got taken away from us with that. That's too bad. Somebody should have convinced him he could have done it. I know. Any other? Any other? What's age the best for you? No, that's good. I I, I like I like a crazy sinister things happening uh, while Johnny Carson is talking, like the late night show. That's yeah. Pretty, like that's always a cool like little contrast and happy and scary, and that goes down in this new category: the Big Kahuna Burger Award yep. for best food or drink. I voted for Senator Trent having champagne in a hot tub with what seems to be a stripper. I can't think of anything worse than champagne in the hot tub. Yeah, like, hot gross. tubs are hot. Nobody's like, oh, this is, I'm in a 110 degree hot tub. You know, it'd be fun here is some champagne that would make me even more lightheaded. <laughs> and you also have to hold it awkwardly <laughs> above hold the it, water hold level. It, hold it, like, what, what, who would do that? What do you have? Um, I got a there's, a, there's a great moment when O'Malley and Seagal are like rekindling and they got a couple of Miller High Lifes. That are oh, I saw there, those. I almost And they're real those. low. Yeah, yeah. I, I go with the champagne of beers. I wish we had seen Seagal drink beer. I wonder if it would have been better or worse than Vin Diesel. Pina, you because know, yeah, Vin Diesel does question. the Vin Diesel like flips it all the way up. He like he's <laughs> like it's he's trying to empty it. All right, the uh the Den of Thieves Benny Hanna Award for scene stealing location. Yeah. I really love the liquor store. I love the mm. 1990 liquor store, all the choices that were made in there and um just the little eight inch TV and I just enjoyed being in there. What'd you have? The whole scene's great. I, I think it's a little odd and nitpicky that you can buy a stuffed animal at a liquor store, but like I'll leave that alone. I, I just mm. went back to the Ohio house. The Ohio house is mm. completely decked out like the last samurai with swords and nunchucks that's a, and everything. That's a better choice. Reason. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. It's got a little dojo. The Butch's girlfriend award for a week link of the film. 
I don't know. I wouldn't change anything with this film. I guess you could go into the whole O'Malley's in hiding and we have to spend two scenes with his mom in some weird location, I guess. But for the most part, I'm pretty happy with where we landed with just about everybody. Did you have anything? Well, here's the thing, Bill. It's the th- this movie is 95 minutes. <laughs> There's not a lot of fat on it. It's yeah. real fast. So yeah. I, I don't have much, really. What's age the worst? I also had Kelly LeBrock in here because she's pretty terrible in this movie. All due respect to her, and she's done a great job. But man, this is a mail-in for the most part. Or or she's just having a good time hanging out with her husband. But there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of thought put into the part, I would say. Would be, no, would be my no, take. Yeah. Seagal's coma hair slash beard combo has aged the worst, even though it's also aged the best because it's spectacular. But it really looks like the the guy they hired to do all the facial hair for him, like called in sick two hours before and they just kind of <laughs> had to figure it out. <laughs> it's, it's, there's one shot of him on the side and you can kind of see the mustache start to come up on the side a little bit. I, It's really cheap looking. Like it looks like a Halloween costume. It's a good theory that, hey, guys, Murray called in sick. Somebody run down to Spencer Gifts and see if you can get a beard or anything. <laughs> Remember that thing Billy used to do with yeah. uh, called Wooly Willy with that little pen where you would take the shavings and make the guy yeah. a beard with a magnet? It looks like that. And it's just, again, did no one say, guys, this is a major studio movie. We, we can't put our movie star on the screen. Like, no, they just went with it. it yeah, was let's fine, spend like a thousand bucks for yeah. a one day, whatever. Vernon Trent's take that to the bank gimmick. That can't I, look. Solid catchphrase. It can't be your only thing. Need yeah. I need more. I know you're a politician and you're searching on catchphrases, but you could take that to the bank. Can't be how you close basically every sentence you say in a conversation. I would have dialed <laughs> it back a little bit. Yeah, I'm finding myself wondering how Senator Trent's "Take That to the Bank" slogan would play on social media these days, and like what Twitter would do to that. Like it would be fucking ugly. Wouldn't be great. Um, the lack of an intimacy coordinator I had is what stage the worst because who who knows if that that that's just a weird scene. Um, I'm just gonna get this over in 20 seconds. This is from Mel Magazine, a recent piece. Over the years, Seagal has been accused of rape, sexual assault, and sexual trafficking. There are multiple stories of him groping women during auditions. Jenny McCarthy, Portia de Rossi, Ray Don Chong, Eva Larue, Julian Margulies are among the many actresses who have accused him of sexual misconduct. He's also referred to female reporters as cocksuckers and a bunch of fucking dirty horse. Mm. Four of Seagal's female assistants working with him on Alfred Justice quit in 1991, all citing sexual harassment. We could keep going on this for hours, but it's, if you do the Google on the Steven Seagal, like the stuff, it's, it's brutal. It's really bad. And, uh, you know, we've done rewatchable movies before where it didn't turn out great for sure. one of the people, but I, I was kind of shocked. I got to say, I didn't know some of it. Did you know yeah. how bad it was? I, you know, I think a lot of it was, I think people just thought he was an asshole. And then it yeah. gets into like the actual real shady stuff. And like, Bill, that's to say nothing of his relationship with Vladimir Putin, which is like also a thing. And it's like, there's all sorts of loaded stuff with him. And he's been uh, reviled for decades, which is why, you know, we said at the top, like back in the 90s, he was awesome. But Jesus, like he's pretty much a reprehensible figure now in 2022. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff he would lie about this happened and then it would just be easily refuted by some magazine reporter and he's talking out of his ass both ways and really one of uh one of the least likable hollywood stars we've had let's go to the anchorman flute pee break award okay i would i would recommend right as he's about to hook up with kelly lebrock when she's dressed up all the way through when he goes to visit his wife's grave 
Uh-huh. Great time to maybe go get a soda, maybe make some popcorn. <laughs> you can kind of hop out of there for about six minutes, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I just have some thoughts on that, on that love scene. And it's also, you know, what that what's aged the worst. I really think doubling back that Kelly LeBrock's character is one of the worst female characters ever put on film. And like and, and that includes yeah. porn. Like it so she's introduced by pulling up and looking at his Johnson and saying, Oh, please get better. And she's made fun of she's made fun of by other people she worked with about how much she's in love with the coma guy <laughs> who she doesn't call John Doe. She calls J.D. She's JD. nicknamed him J.D. And then when he comes to, he's like, they're going to kill us. I'm telling you. And she's like, oh, you're so cute. It, it's she's out of her mind. And then in the love scene, like when this happens, Seagal's in the gym and he's just getting a workout. He's like, he's just getting some reps in. He's just getting a sweat. He's not interested. She walks in in a dress with a fucking flower. As she walks in to seduce him, there are literally pictures of his shotgunned wife and kid over there as she goes for it. And like the reason I don't think there's that much chemistry is like, I don't really think Seagal's that into it. And I mean, Mason Storm, like he's like, honestly, yeah. I'm, I'll do it for you. You've, you've helped you've helped me out. But like, I'm thinking about my wife. It's an awful, awful scene. It's a great point. We should have brought that up on what stage the worst. <laughs> the rapid recovery from the yeah. coma and also knowing that your wife was brutally machine gunned to death right in front of you, who, you know, they set up that he really loved. Then he moves on from her in what, five days? Shaves? He never says what happened to my son. He doesn't have any idea what happens. He never... He's well, I think he the assumes the list. son was killed, right? I guess, but like it was in another room and everything. He just, I would yeah. want to clarify for sure. It does, it's a big hole. Next category, was, this, was there a better title for this movie? I mean, the obvious answer is no fucking way, but <laughs> it was filmed with the title Seven Year Storm. Yeah. And that was the name of the movie it was when the trade magazines were writing about it. They called it Seven Year Storm. And then Warner Brothers changed it to Hard to Kill because they wanted it to be more of a more traditional action. action film. Yeah. Kind of like Seven Year Storm. It is cool because it, it, it's seven years. and yeah. Seven Year Storm is, I, I don't know, man. But you Wait. can't do Steven Seagal is. Seven years. You have to go hard to kill. Hard to kill is very literal. It's it's right on the nose. Um, I'm or it could be. Could it be? Could it be? Steven Seagal is riding a seven year <laughs> storm. I like but, it better. Uh, I like it better already. I like hard to kill. Best quote is obviously the blood bank. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's maybe the best quote ever in a movie. It's also prefaced, Bill, by something where he's having that real actory moment where he's walking around and he's thinking and, yeah. well, these pieces tie together. And like, it's Seagal just chewing up scenery and like really acting. And so it leads up to that moment. Um, can I just share with you a quick theory on the blood bank moment? I yeah. have a theory and I have for years that it's actually a Seagal ad lib and that the line originally was, I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. Dun, dun, da, da, dun. And Seagal wanted one more take. He said, I got a thought. Yeah. The blood bank. Dun, dun. And the director was like, holy shit, Steve, that was amazing. You just made it. That's it. We're moving on. I feel like it was his idea. And I'm going to give him that credit. The director was like, Steve, that was amazing. And Seagal was like, I know. I know. <laughs> Steve, who wrote that line? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> Me. A book about medals award for belatedly best quote. I didn't realize this. I somehow never caught it. But when he comes home after the six people are murdered in the liquor store or whatever happens, he's got the yeah. champagne and his wife says, there's blood on your shirt. And he says, it's not my blood. <laughs> Just keep going. Imagine? It's not my blood. Oh, okay. What, what kind of imagine? champagne did you bring? 
I'm positive my wife would, the next question would be, well, whose blood was it? Just seems like a, I don't know, follow-up question you might have in that situation. No. Um, they've been married for several years, at least. They got a kid who's growing up. Like, I can't imagine it's that hot between them. I'm just going to speak autobiographically. Yeah. Like, it's not <laughs> like they're on their honeymoon. If, I'm trying to put myself, if I came home, even if I was a cop, and I were my wife and got the champagne and a stuffed animal, and like, I just said it's not my blood, and then she just went right through that stop sign. Like that is that is some kind of fiend. She's not like change her clothes or shower or right. anything. She's not well, right through it. I mean, obviously, he's hung like a bear. She could, just couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> Please get <laughs> huge, better. Huge crank. <laughs> the Stephen A. Smith Hottest Take Award is coming right after this break. All right. The Stephen A. Smith Hottest Take Award. What's your hottest take about this movie, Kyle Brent? My hottest take about this movie is the entire movie premise and story was completely stolen by Quentin Tarantino for Kill Bill. Same deal, same oh, dude. Oh, wow. Bill, let me lay this out. Uh, you got uh, someone who was betrayed and killed and left for dead in a coma. While that person is in a coma, people have sex with her. It is right in line. The person comes to. Uh, I think Vincent Vega's bolo tie is taken from the hitman. I think Vincent Vega's ponytail on the date with Mia Wallace is a pitch perfect Mason Storm ponytail. I think Tarantino stood on the shoulders of Seagal for the Kill Bill one. This movie, here's the title. It's not It's not hard to kill. It's, it's a Kill Vern, volume one about Vern and Trent. That's it. I think he took it. That's that's just a great take. Thank you. I'm really jealous I'm in the of take it. business, Bill. I thought I was going to win this hottest take battle, but now, now I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can what do you pull got? it up. I'm going to try. Steven Seagal was the Billy Corgan of action movies. Okay. I like this. Go on. Incredible five years. Kind of really influential, important. Um, pushed the genre to new heights. Was toe-to-toe with everybody from that era, but was so loathsome and annoying and frustrating to be around and so disliked by so many people that now he's just become a punchline and it's retroactively tainted a really good block of movies there. He made five, oh, if you count Under Siege 2, which I really like, he made six really good action movies yeah. all in a row. And I think it, people would have him in the rankings below Van Damme. They would have him, I mean, obviously way below Stallone and Schwarzenegger, but he's at least, I felt like he was toe-to-toe with all those guys in a real way. And now mm-hmm. nobody wants to admit it because he's annoying. It goes like this. Uh, despite all his rage, Steven Seagal is a rat in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> and he lost his hair like Corgan. So it even it has <laughs> Under Siege 1 and 2 is like his melancholy in, in the Infinite Heart of Sadness, whatever that album's called, where it's the yeah. double album, the two, oh, yeah. the two and sequels. The Infinite Sadness, yeah. yeah. Like that, that's the double album. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so Bill, you, you, we're bearing the lead here. You like Under Siege 2, Dark Territory? You, you're into that? I like both. Yeah, I like both. Hey, yeah, well, you know what's weird? I've never seen it. I never watched the second one. I watched a lot. Carol and I used to talk about this all the time because we loved Under Siege and Under Siege yeah. was never on, but Under Siege 2 was on all the time. So it was almost <laughs> like they forced us to like Under Siege 2 just by right. it was on. But um, I have one more hottest take that wasn't mine. What do you got? I told, I told my wife I was doing this movie and she admitted to me that in the early 90s, she had a huge crush on Steven Seagal. Oh, awesome. She okay. thought she was hot. She liked how we talked low and it was her favorite action star. And I, I just honestly didn't know how to reconcile it. I didn't want to tell her about, you know, what was going on under the, under the sheets with Mason Storm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it took me aback. I don't know if that made me like my wife more or less that she had a crush on Steven Seagal, or maybe it, it's another sign we're meant to be together. 
Well, yeah, Bill, for, for all your uh, your charm and talent, you, you have nothing like uh, you're not, not like a Steven Seagal guy at all. <laughs> That's not yeah, I know. I know. It. it really threw me aback. <laughs> She's like, I always like this ponytail. I'm like, all right, enough. <laughs> Casting what ifs. Didn't really have any. Not, not a ton of research on this movie. You mentioned okay. how Kelly LeBrock did the movie as a favor for her husband yeah. and, and called it after hard to watch or hard to believe. So the Ruffalo Hannah Rubinick Partridge overacting award which I think should go to O'Malley for, <laughs> for for his death scene. But I want to raise this one. I don't know if this would work every time, but I do feel like the Steven Seagal underacting award could be a conditional <laughs> category. Sure. When he scales it down so low, it's almost you have to turn up the TV. He yeah, strips okay. away all sort of nuance. And I, it's almost like Seagal is the opposite of the Ruffalo ha- Hannah Rubinek Partridge. I, just want to I like that this, up. and I know the exact moment where he takes it the lowest. He just found out that his son is alive. This is yeah, a life. Couldn't be less moment. excited. And you know what he says to O'Malley? He goes, "I have no words." Like that's your line. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you say. It's so bad. I have no words. Oh my yeah. god! You're right. That's it. I don't know how to thank you. No words. Best that guy award. We uh, vetoed Bill Sadler. Dean Norris is also Let's vetoed, go. but he was a that guy forever until Breaking Bad, and then he became Dean Norris. But he was a that guy Dean Norris. Total Recall. Yeah, yeah. I Dean Norris was the same age here for about twenty five years. I don't yep. really understand it. <laughs> Nineteen eighty nine Dean Norris, and then two thousand thirteen Dean Norris. There's no difference yeah. in them. It's like Jay Adande is like this too. Jay Adande has looked the same now for twenty five years. I don't understand it. But I think you're just onto just another it. category, Bill. The J.A. Adande Award for this person has been the same age my whole life. Morgan Freeman wants in. Michael Caine has been 72 for my entire life. I get it. Jay Adande was on PTI with Kornheiser last week, and we're the same age. And I was like, what the fuck? It looks like he's 30. I don't get I it. Uh, but the winner for the Best That Guy Awards, you know him. He's one of the bad guys. Go on. You've seen him in other movies. You know him from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. He's the bartender. His name is Branscombe Richmond, but he's one of those guys. He is just a classic. I know that guy. He's a big, tall guy. Yeah. Kind of a friendly face that can go sinister right away. And he's usually has a mullet in these late Mm -hmm. 90s ones or early 90s. I always like this guy. So kudos to It is the textbook definition of that. You see him and you go, oh, that guy's in this movie. You literally say the words that guy when you see him and you never know his name. But I think he's been in like a hundred things. He's also, you know, I I didn't look at his IMDb, but like you wouldn't have been shocked to see him in like one of those uh, those softcore like Cinemax, not not in a scene, but as like the bad guy and right after the sex scene. Yeah, Yeah, like he's just done a lot of stuff. It works. Next category is the Teddy KGB Award for the actor doing his own thing. I almost feel like this should go to Seagal, right? I thought about it too. And I, all, all roads lead to Seagal in this one because it everyone else to. is just kind of straight. Yeah. But also, like, like why, why penalize Seagal for being a complete lunatic this entire movie? Dion Waiters Award, you mentioned the liquor store person. Yeah. The, the hospital hitman. And then I'm throwing in Johnny Carson, who just got in like two minutes of Johnny Carson, uh, kind of near the end, but he's has this key scene and back in the era when Johnny Carson was on as people were hooking up left and right around the country. It's probably the liquor store guy though, right? He got about five lines and he's just, he's, he's magnetic and yeah. Seagal is underplaying the hell out of it. 
and he starts doing, I got the action comedy. He's like, you should be like be in a porno. And it's a gross line, but the guy <laughs> owns it. And then he gets blown away for no reason. I mean, who needs the goddamn movies anyway? <laughs> I got a show in here every single night. Yeah? And you got horror, sex, freaks, violence. And I don't got to pay no four bucks either. Well, maybe you should film it. You could get your own show, you know? Oh, I'll be great in a porno. Recasting couch. I'm going to yeah. do two versions. I'm going to do who they should have had back then. But then also, if we're making Hard to Kill now, who do you want? So I'll ask you that first. 2022, they're remaking Hard to Kill. Who's your guy? Who's my lead? Who's your lead? Uh, I think it has to be somebody with some unintentional comedy, which is why I'm leaning toward like former athlete. Or well, maybe current got? athlete. I'm trying. I'm. I'm just immediately thinking of stock things, you know, Channing Tatum or somebody like that, because he does the unintentional comedy. Those are the good versions. Yeah, that's like the Mark Wahlberg. You go down that whole rabbit hole. Give me the the hilarious. Don't know what they're doing. Ex athlete version. Um, I so my dream would be Tom Brady. Because Mason Storm as Mason Storm. Uh-huh. Like he, Tom Brady, because I just feel like anything's possible. He's in the Tyson zone now. I'd, I'll believe any Tom Brady story. And is like, he in Tom, the Tyson zone? I think he is. Yeah. yeah. I think he is. Tom Brady's like, he's now making an action movie. It's like, he is? He's going <laughs> to remake Hard to Kill. He is? Like, I wouldn't be 100% stunned, right? He's going to do it in TB12 Productions. Yeah. Like, Giselle shot a video of him in his underwear and he's like, TB brand. And you're like, damn, like, Tom Brady really he used to do nothing. That's a good right. point. It's Tom like Brady Giselle's going to play his wife. One of his sons will play the son. And it's like, wait, is this serious? But I would still believe it the whole way. But uh, my 1990 recasting couch, this is neat. I, all due respect to the guy who played O'Malley, I wouldn't say he's exactly uh, De Niro. What about John Ashton? He's sitting right there. He's on a, on a heater. Beverly Hills sure. Cop 2, oh, Midnight yeah. Run, kind of looks like a cop, could have a little fun with Seagal, a couple jokes. I just... Give me John Ashton. That would have been my Ashton pick. works for sure. I'm just surprised. I'm sure I mean, you got to have some. I, I'm sure that the Kelly LeBrock recasting conversation needs to be had. I mean, because she's rough. And I, I my my thought went to that right away is that in uh, Above the Law, Seagal's wife is played by a young Sharon Stone who is sitting right Lights there. Out. Yeah, bring her back. And she uh, she in the same year, I think, was doing Total Recall. So yeah. Like, God, she'd be. I, I'd love somebody other than LeBrock. Yeah, that's a good call. I was thinking, uh, it's right in like maybe like a Annabelle. Nah, Annabelle Shura, maybe, maybe too young at that point. Demi Moore, could we go big budget? No, too famous. Big budget, too, too famous in 1990. I, you know, I think Ghost is coming. I don't think she could do it. I would love to see someone who never made it who give a shot. Maybe give that thing some balls. You know, like a. Kelly Kapowski or just somebody, you know, like somebody other than his wife, who I feel like she was mailing in that whole performance. I would have said like 1995 Tiffany Amber Thiessen, but I think she's too young in 1990. But yeah, you're right. Somebody who needed maybe Heather Locklear, Heather Thomas, one of the Heathers, any Heather? Any Heather Graham, too young, Locklear, maybe probably too big. Yeah. Um, there was one that I loved, Bill, that we finished for Senator Trent, as much as I love Sadler. Um, how about Paul Gleason as Senator Trent? Oh, uh, wow. Breakfast Club, Die yeah. Hard. I think he's a total dick and he's beloved in the 80s. Like, as much as I love Sadler, there's a Die Hard connection with Gleason. I go Gleason as Senator Trent. And you can say take no that more. to the bank, Andrew Clark. Expect a little more from a varsity <laughs> letterman. You can take that to the bank. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Half-assed internet research. 
Seagal did not what get along got? with the director, Bruce Melmoth. Right. Considered to be a very poor director. Said in a 1990 interview, I think it's a miracle that this guy could put one foot in front of the other. He complained about being uh, left out of the editing process. Didn't love the action scenes. Isn't it ironic that Seagal would say he can't put one foot in the other and the, the, he and runs he li- like that? Literally can't run. I <laughs> can't run. You won't be surprised to learn Warner Brothers heavily re-edited this movie because they what? wanted it to be 95 minutes so they could have more theatrical screenings. We lost an original opening scene with Storm and his wife and his son. Might Could have used that one. In the amusement park, could have seen Storm giving his son a cotton candy. I would have loved that. We missed um, Trent's men interrogate and kill um, the nurse friend of yep. Kelly LeBrock. We missed a longer kidnapping scene with Storm's son. We missed an O'Malley funeral scene. That got cut. That was supposed to be the ending. They just decided, fuck it, we're ending this now. It's like a then, uh, funeral. And then there's an alternate ending where um, Storm kills Trent and says, take that to the bank. And apparently in the theatrical trailer, one of them, you could see him say the line, but they decided to use another one where he doesn't do you like that he lets? Do you like that he lets him go? He gets arrested. No, I think that should just blow him. his head off. Yeah, I do too. I'm like, come on, Mace, kill him. I compiled some Steven Seagal facts for you. Nobody got. On Never Say Never Again, he was teaching Sean Connery martial arts and accidentally broke Sean Connery's wrist. <laughs> He owns a very large collection of, of guitars and samurai swords. He would only appear in Under Siege 2 if Warner Brothers allowed him to direct on Deadly Ground. Oh, my God. And he did. It was a quid pro quo situation. He married his second wife, Adrian, before his divorce from his first wife, Miyako, and then had the marriage annulled because he started dating Kelly LeBrock, who had become pregnant with his couple's first child. So I think he had technically three wives going at once there for about a year. Yeah, sure. I know you know this. He had a, a pretty terrible reputation, not just for all the horrible Steven Seagal stuff, but um, for not pulling his punches during fight scenes and for deliberately hit, hitting stuntmen. <laughs> Multiple stuntmen have publicly criticized and refused to work with him from that era. Yeah, you watch the Seagal punch, and like sometimes when he punches him, like you're like, shit, that looked really real. And I think yeah. because it was, he just punched him in the face. Like That's what he would do. Like, Steve doesn't work that way, dude, but that's what people say he did. Yeah, when he's throwing somebody into like a grill, he's really throwing them into the grill. There's no, he doesn't care. He's apparently famous for spending only three hours a day in the set. Actors William Forsyth and John Leguizamo claim that he physically assaulted them on the set mm. of their movies. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Putin thing. He said, uh, he basically, it seemed like he worked for the CIA. I don't know whether he chose to, but he, he, was an advisor when he was living in Asia to uh, CAA people. And then apparently Henry Silva broke his nose while filming Above the Law, which I didn't realize. Really? And after Shit. that, Seagal demanded to take over the thing. So those are my Seagal facts. Apex Mountain. Okay. What do you have for Seagal? I don't think this is it. I think this is the Apex Mountain of unintentional comedy Seagal, but mm-hmm. not for Seagal. I would say Under Siege is his Apex Mountain, right? Well, yeah, I mean, within a couple of years of him cutting off Screwface's head and Mark for Death, he's having a knife fight with Academy Award winner Tommy Lee Jones on a battleship. Like, I think it is under siege. And you said it yourself. He said, hey, I want to do this on deadly ground and you got to let me direct under siege too. That's power. That's yeah. Apex. That's the and definition like, of Apex. Aside, under siege was a real hit. Yeah. Kelly LeBrock, no. Acupuncture? Apex Mountain? Oh, yeah. How you I think feel like it is, right? Bill, I went and got acupuncture like two years ago and I had never seen anybody do it. Yeah. And I go, 
I literally said, when do you put the smoking ones on? And there's like, what do you mean? I'm like, don't they have a little smoke at the end of them? They're like, no, we, we don't do that. I thought that's what acupuncture was. It's right. not. They just put the needles in. So yeah, it is. I did it in 2004 and it fixed my back. Really? Yeah, it actually worked. It's, I haven't done it since, but um, I didn't want to get the back surgery and I was trying everything and it was the last thing I tried and it actually worked. Holy shit. All right. So there yeah. you go. How about a uh, murder attempts in an S empty hospital, Apex Mountain? Would you go this or Cobra? Um, all right. So it's a great one. Uh, I, I, I will go with, um, with Cobra because I like the Night Stalker and I like the knife. Me but too. I also had Apex Mountain for shitty hitmen. Um, <laughs> and I think I would no, answer over my Roadhouse? Own... Oh, maybe this is the whole era of shitty hitmen. All right. There's a lot of shitty hitmen. I, I don't know if there's one worse than Frederick Sykes in The Fugitive, who, while he does kill Helen Kimball, he does have one fucking arm. And if yeah. I had the resources of Devlin McGregor and I was hiring someone to go kill someone, I would want someone with two arms, with all due respect. Right. So I think it, I'll answer my own question and say Apex is Fugitive, but this is close. And your hospital question plays right into that. Yeah, Hitman, who it takes him 10 minutes to kill Cela Ward. Who's just like married to a doctor? It's like they're brawling all over the place. Like it's like the Money yeah. in the Bank main event, and he's supposed to be a professional hitman. It's a good point. And then he kills her by throwing like some sort of marble ball at her or something. Like instead of just a gun, and he leaves yeah. her to make the. It's just, and then Kimball fights him afterwards. So Sykes, I think, is the apex of those guys. How about Ohi? I think so. Yeah. I mean, shit. Anybody else done there? I, I, they, they even do a close up of the sign on the freeway. I don't know any other movies in Ojai, but it's something you pass when you drive up the 101 and now I'm going to look at that Pretty house. Good. Is that house on Airbnb in Ojai? Because I like want to have my brother's bachelor party there. We should, I should have researched this before the uh, thing. I had Kimmel got married in Ojai. It was the only time I'd ever been there. It's great oh, cool. up there. It's yeah. it's a kind of place where if there was a big shootout, it could probably happen and nobody would know. It's, <laughs> nice. pretty, it's pretty, pretty spread out. That's all I have for Apex Mountain, unless you want to say 1990 was the Apex Mountain for action movies. Well, God damn, you gave the rundown of those movies in four it's years. Right in, right in, in the years. middle of it, right? That five-year run and it's like dead center and, you know, all the, everybody's got movies in 1990s. Stallone has one. Schwarzenegger has one. Seagal yeah. has two. Van Damme has one. Uh, Die Hard 2 comes out in 1990, on and on. You could say 1990 might have been the peak. It was the kind of thing where you were just like, which action movie is coming out this weekend? There's one every weekend. In which when one can we get back? Why, why can't we know. go back? We can't. What are we it's, doing? It's, we, we're doing um, John Wick and we're doing your, your fucking Fast and the Furious movies, but we don't we don't really have it anymore. I, I wish we could. I wish we could, man. It was awesome. Can't you do a movie about a guy who does a 6 a.m. morning football show and on his way home from work, all of a sudden he's framed for murder and he's running for his life and he's got eight hours to clear his name? Like, how, yeah. how hard is it to either I need to clear my name all the stuff happens in one day. I'm running for mm -hmm. my life. Um, somebody killed my whole family. I'm out for revenge. Mm -hmm. um, I showed up at this new place and I need to, you know, I need a fresh start and I don't want to get sucked back to my old life, but oh no, it looks like I am. Or this is our one last job. Like there's eight ideas. Just keep making them. How fucking hard is this? Revenge movies. It's simple. Revenge. It's, it's great. It's beautiful. This happened. I'm mad. I know. I don't understand why. I, 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 that's like, you know, fantasy will tell you a million reasons why about budget and industry and all that. And he understands that stuff better than I do. I'm just like, you know, God damn it. Like, I'd like to go on Friday night to see somebody kick some ass and pay 12 bucks to get in. Right. I, I just can't really anymore. I have to be from my couch. Well, part of it is I think we just 
I think we'll look back at this era of all the stars we had, and it just was an anomaly. We just mm. don't have stars like this anymore. We don't have, we had seven guys who could be the head of an awesome action movie. And who are the guys now? It's like, oh, like yeah. I would have said no way on Keanu and Keanu was able to do it. But who are the guys like, are you going to see Chris Evans and Hard to Kill? Like there needs to be an unintentional comedy piece to it that I just don't think the current guys have. Well, they've tried 50 times with The Rock, man. And it, yeah. just, it doesn't do it for me. As cool as he is and as charismatic, like he makes movies that are instantly disposable. They don't, they're, he doesn't make Terminator 2. You know, he yeah. doesn't make, he just doesn't have it in him to make those or that's not what the industry wants. But they have. I mean, he's got the the look and everything. It just doesn't work for me. So a spinoff of a Apex Mountain is was this their Hall of Fame plaque movie? Would this be the hat they wore as they head into the Hall of Fame? It's either this or Under Siege because this is the the funniest he's ever been in a movie. But Under Siege was the most successful. So I don't know. I still feel like it's probably Under Siege. It's a good debate because I feel like Under Siege is for the masses. I feel like if you're a true Seagal head. Him taking a cue ball in a napkin and beating up people with it in a bar and out for justice. Anybody seen Richie? Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? Like that, that's my Hall of Fame call mm. right there. I would go out for justice. But if there's a bust like in the NFL and you can put the fake beard and hair on him like in this one, then it has to go in for hard to kill. And maybe it's two plaques. Maybe it's the coming out of a coma. Seagal, then uh, maybe it's uh, under. He would want to go in the Hall of Fame as on deadly ground, like Wade Boggs going in as a fucking devil ray. (laughs) (laughs) I directed that one. It was a great script. (laughs) Best racehorse name from the movie. I mean, it's probably Mason Storm, right? That's a great racehorse name. Yeah, unless you did, uh, um, you know, and Blood Bank down the stretch. Here they come. (laughs) Blood Bank would work too. (laughs) But Mason Storm is badass. Sunny Storm works too. If you were at the Kentucky Derby and one of the 12 horses was named Mason Storm, I know what you do next. You're putting money on Mason Storm. You just are. I put money on Storm, on Mason Storm, and then I go down and take a picture of his huge horse penis. <laughs> yeah, how, would you, how could you tell his dick from the horses? I couldn't. The, the horses is a smaller one. That's how you tell. Picking nits. We mentioned the um, Mason's filming is hilarious. Why do all the cops and bad guys talk with accents in this movie? It's, it seems like it's set in L.A. It is. <laughs> and yet all the accents are like Chicago and Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> they have a Rust Belt thing in there in like Bel Air and Beverly Hills. I don't know. I, I don't get it. Um, how did he put the acupuncture needles in his way, way back? Because there's some stuff that's like midway down his back. So is, it, is there like an acupuncture... Like chop, did he use the chopsticks to put it in? Like, how does he get him in it's there? It's possible. Yeah. Or Kelly LeBrock did it willingly. But that's that's what a picking nits is all about, is how did he get the back one in? I never thought about that. Good question. <laughs> Kelly LeBrock's like, I'll put the needles in if you let me look at look at your crank again. Because I really miss I really miss you in a coma. And I, I just was 24-7. I could go check that thing out. So terrible. My God. What was she doing to him while he was out for those seven years? My God. Maybe that's why the eagle made the noise on the mountain because it was going to swoop in. It thought it was food. (laughs) It thought it was a a snake on the mountain. Holy shit, there's a Brazilian anaconda on this mountain. Look at my luck. Wow, I'm going to eat for weeks. The the car trade is super suspicious. She pulls up in this Jeep that's filled with with bullets. There's another car on the highway with the trunk up and it's just they immediately arrange a deal. No money is exchanged. Just car for car. Let's go. How hot is it? Real hot. Sounds good, man. 
<laughs> like that was your autotrader.com moment of Steven Seagal. Great, great. Um, all right, here's my last question. Okay. This is this is kind of a general coma question. He's in the coma for seven years, obviously. I don't know enough about comas to know how long it would take to retrain your muscles. And yeah, just feels like it would be longer than 25 minutes. <laughs> Do you pee and poop in a coma? How does that work? Yeah, definitely. So you Catheter, have bodily... All that. Yeah. So when he's in the bed and he wakes up, he should be hooked up to like a catheter and like something up his ass, right? Yeah, definitely the catheter and then the ass, I'm not sure. Maybe like some sort of bag or something. But it or like a colostomy is, bag? Yeah. Like you're, you're unconscious, you just don't wake up. But you're breathing, you're eating, I, I, I think, all that stuff. I just feel like he'd have more equipment on him and attached to him. And, you know, he 100% would have a catheter. Yeah. Which makes it even weirder that she's like, oh, I'm going to lift the sheet up. <laughs> Got to look at that <laughs> yeah. giant catheter penis again. <laughs> right. It's disgusting. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> it's true. so weird. But the, I just the coma, the way comas are treated in movies, it's almost like somebody's just take took the longest nap ever. There's a Netflix movie that Rebel Wilson's in where she's in a coma for 20 years and she just wakes up in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. She's, there's nothing attached to her. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they think we won't ask. Any other uh, nitpicks for you? Um, yeah, just a little one. And, and I don't want to go full Rasilla with this, but like to your point about the strength, he has enough strength to like push his chair out and close the elevator and do all these things. And then in the montage, he's bench pressing the 45 pound bar for reps. It's a laughable miscalculation of what Wadey should do. Like I, I'm sitting there and I'm like the bar <laughs> storm. And how did his ego not take over and uh, maybe put a 45 pound plate on there? Like it's just, yeah. it's, it's way below the strength thing. And again, we just keep coming back to the recovery from the coma, which is messed up. Next category is sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all black cast or untouchable. I think this is untouchable. You can mm. give me the prequel though. You could talk me into a prequel, but I guess the prequel is probably above the law. And the sequel yeah. was the next two new movies he made. So. Sequel is marked for death. And right. We already have all of them. Yeah, so it's untouchable. Would this movie be better with Wayne Jenkins, Danny Trejo, Catherine Hahn, Steve Buscemi, Sam Jackson, JT Walsh, or Philip Baker Hall? It's clearly Trejo would be. Just throw him in as one of Senator Trent's bad guys, and we're I feel like we're good to roll. Trejo would, would be great as one of the bad guys. Um but I'm going to go, I, I, you know, I'm a huge Philip Baker Hall guy. And I would love Philip Baker Hall in the role of O'Malley. Um, oh, wow. But as long as, I want him as O'Malley, but but Bill, I want him to do O'Malley as Floyd, Floyd Gondoli. <laughs> and just say, look, here, here's the deal, Sonny. Your dad is alive. And, and I like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. And I may, if that makes me a pervert, that's fine. But your dad's alive. That's what I want. The future's coming. That's good. <laughs> I'll go with that too. Just one Oscar, who gets it? Nobody in this movie, I would give it to whoever made the best cigar running montage on YouTube should get the Oscar, believe me. All the Oscars. I just, uh, kudos to all those people. Probably an answer questions. Why not a sequel to this movie? Harder to Kill is just sitting there. <laughs> Harder to Kill. F followed by the, the re-sequel, Hardest to Kill. Yes. Hard to Kill, uh, Harder to Kill, Hardest to Kill. It's perfect. We got the trilogy, basically. It's just sitting there. Remember when Ice Cube made like next Friday and then Friday after next and then eventually you just make like impossible to kill and it's over. It's a great idea. The Ojai house. Mm -hmm. Has anyone ever done a worse house sitting job? 
that LeBrock and the Ojai house. It's just, they're throwing her a solid, right? Hey, come stay at this awesome house. There's, it's yeah. outdoors. We have a martial arts dojo. There's wine with horses. You can play with the animals. Like you can get out of the city. It's like, that's great. Then they come home. There's 12 dead guys. Everything's shut up and all the horses are gone. That's tough. It's like, sorry. Hey, we had some problems. Yeah, Call it's ironic me. because like in LeBrock and Weird Science, they mess up the whole house and she has to like use her weird science magic to fix it and to get the nuclear missile out of the house. So that's what they need at the end too. But the downside of that house sitting gig for her is it's like a two hour one way drive from her job at the hospital molesting vegetables. So like <laughs> that, that that's really tough for her. <laughs> so she has a lot of stress. Best double featured choice for this movie. I mean, it's clearly above the law. Right. Mm. And then you go above the law right into hard to kill. But you could also go hard to kill right into out for justice or mark for death. I would personally recommend the uh, a double double feature. I would just run back all four. So well, I, I, I maybe misunderstood the rules of this. I thought it was going to be like West 1990 double feature. And oh. so uh, I would do uh, natural choices, uh, hard to kill and three men and a little lady. No, I would go. Um, <laughs> I would I would go Lionheart, which was Van Damme's 1990. And you just get the two of them together and see which one you like more, Lionheart or uh, Hard to Kill. That's my. By the way, there's no right instruction for this category. You chose like to it. go era specific, which I I, yeah. I really liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would go above the law and Hard to Kill. And then setting up the next double feature of Mark for Death and Out for Justice. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we didn't get to do this category in the first two times. What do you got? Categories, but now we get to do it. The Andy and Red Zuatne Award for What the Hell Happened the Next Day. So, <laughs> hey, Sonny. Meet meet your new stepmom. And also, here's your weird dad. <laughs> I haven't seen you in seven years. Should we go to a ball game? What happens the next day? Well, we got to go to O'Malley's funeral first. And then yeah. I was thinking, um, I don't know, you want to have a catch? Like, what what happens? Does he move? <laughs> does Sonny move in with them? What goes on? Um, it's a great question. Like, they're a family now, Bill. Like, we, we yeah. got to make this work. And it's, it's kind of like we said at the end of the Commando Rewatchables, you got Arnold and Ray Don Chong and uh, you got Alyssa Milano. I'll, what do they do next? It's the same deal. So it's like, do we get Sonny some school supplies and like get, get him in his new bedroom? Like we're, we're going to start a sitcom now called Weather the Storm. And it's going to be like, we're going to have it's <laughs> it like it. It's going to go clean. Yeah, it's going to be great. TGIF. None of these movies ever have the kid go, you're not my mother. No, they love it. They love, they love, they love it. It's mother. like, I'm so happy. I have a step parent in real life. That is no cause. What piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? I mean, so many choices. What do you got? The Senator Trent painting is pretty amazing that he has in his house at the end. It's like a- It's cool. It's like a digital multicolor, not digital, yeah. um, but with like a watercolor. I don't know what's going on, but it's this giant painting, which brings me back to my rule. Anytime somebody has a giant painting of themselves, like watch out. <laughs> Just in general. Like if you're getting courted to- leave good morning football and you go to some yeah. executive's house like come we'll have dinner at my house and you go you walk in and in the living room is a giant painting of them You're don't out. sign with that person yeah yeah That'd i be remember there was a rumor once that alex rodriguez had a painting of him and with his head on a centaur's body and you're like yeah that sounds about like a rod that's good you right the painting yeah right uh so i would go painting what would you go with um, I would go with, uh, in the final scene, I would take the toilet lid that Mason Storm has written on and says, 
anticipation of death is worse than death itself. And then I would install that in my own toilet in my master bathroom. So I think it's hilarious that they actually asked us to believe that Storm wrote that with lipstick on the toilets. Great touch. Yeah, he took the extra 90 seconds. Yes, perfect penmanship. I forgot in the unanswerable questions, he rams a rifle into Senator Trent's mouth. Yeah. Honestly, a little disturbing. Yeah, he knocked some of his teeth out. It would have knocked some of his teeth out, right? Wouldn't it have knocked all of his teeth out? How I did think that go? there's one shot of Sadler yelling at the end where he's kind of wearing some sort of broken tooth prosthetic, I think, but it's really quick. And it is a really brutal thing to do. But it was this, the same guy made the broken teeth prosthetic who made Mason Storm's fake beard and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and whatever the hell else he had going. All right, two more. The Coach Finstock Award for Best Life Lessons. I have to. Yep. Go on. Anticipation of death is worse than death itself. The best. Learn how to heal people to be great. To hurt people is easy. That's right. I actually thought that was a pretty good lesson. Yeah, I did too. I uh, I, I think that I had first to learn how to heal people. To hurt people is easy too. It's there's always that moment. The Van Dam did a lot too, where they refer to their sensei and the teaching that they taught them, and it gives them a little bit of a soul amongst all the ass kicking. So I think that one too. Unless you would go with superior attitude. Superior state of mind. We're outgunned and undermanned, but you know something? We're gonna win. And I'll tell you why. Superior attitude, superior state of mind. Steven Seagal, a former film star and uh, of the three-word title. And uh, Bill, I feel like I won being part of this discussion. It's fucking great. You know, people ask me sometimes, do you and Kyle hang out outside the rewatchables? And I say, no, we don't. But what happens right here is special, Kyle Brandt. It's fucking special. <laughs> I love I love breaking these action movies down with you. Hey, Bill, look, you're not my best friend. I'm not your best friend, but we can work together. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want you to know that. Uh, <laughs> so funny. Now you have to go back to uh, your life ranking the top seven AFC tight ends for two months. What are you doing for content now? Good morning, football. This hey, is Bill, like the absolute death valley of NFL coverage Done. right now. But the question remains. Which Stranger Things character would Baker Mayfield be? <laughs> Peter, what do you think? Let's do a segment. It's in a way that's the most fun times to have a show, right? Where you're oh, like, we literally we just have say nothing. The stupidest stuff. And yeah. like, we'll start doing things like kind of you and I just did where I'll start making an inside joke to Peter where he knows what I'm talking about and he starts shaking his head on camera because, <laughs> like, who cares? If they really right. want to hear me talk for the 300th time about can we trust Daniel Jones? Like, no one does. So yeah. we just make shit happen, man. Yeah, now it's like, but wait, can we trust Daniel Jones? <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. th then a week later, hold on a second. Can we trust right. him? Yeah, I think uh, I just want more content about how Mac Jones is in incredible shape and has made leaps and bounds and everybody's just in awe of how great he's been in these mini camps. Aren't you excited? That's, that's what done, I'm there for. He's done the whole bingo board. The center square is best shape of his life. The other ones he's checked are uh, spent the off season in the gym, Put on 10 pounds of muscle, has completely reshaped his body. Mac Jones apparently is like a, like a statue now. He looks great. Get so ready. much easier when I have a full grasp of the playbook. <laughs> Teammates yeah. love him. Change my diet. You know, I'm going plant-based now, like everything. More of a leader this year. That's another one. Yeah, you're right. More There's vocal. like a whole bingo board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Kyle Brandt, great to see you as always. You're the best, Bill. Thanks, man. This podcast was produced by Craig Horlbeck and Jesse Lopez, and we will see you next week on the rewatchings.